This year, as we move into 2017, we want to focus in on what we call a New Year's revelation. If you'll take your books, pass those down if you've not already done so, take out your note cards. On the back of the notes, there's just kind of a progression of things coming in the next few months. And on the front, of course, will be the things that we'll focus in on today. But this year, you know, we, we appreciate New Year's resolutions and discovering what it is that you desire to accomplish in your relationship uh, with the Lord or your personal objectives. New Year's resolutions are great. We just think New Year's revelation is better. So not just what do you want to accomplish, but what does God want to do in your life? How many of you are interested in what God wants? Can I just see? Like, we want what God wants, right? He actually has plans. Like a wonderful father, he's projecting and planning and purposing. And like, like a wonderful father with eternal capacity and abilities, like he's projecting, planning, dreaming way beyond what we could understand. Had a plan before you and I were ever born that we'd land in this room today, celebrating 10-year conclusion, declaring come on, we're going to be a part of the expanding work of God in the earth. In our everyday lives, we are the army of the living God. We're being more and more awakened to that every single day. Come on, let's just clap that in and declare it today in agreement. We're a place of great celebration. And the reason we want to be a place of great celebration is because our celebration is not just about celebrating. We've learned in Scripture that, the, that Job 27, 23 says, you hiss the enemy away by the clapping of your hands. So when we're celebrating something good God is doing, it literally hisses the enemy away from that area of our lives. We've learned that Moses held up his hands and victory came upon God's people as he was raising his hands. Do you think there's a reason why we raise our hands in worship? I believe it releases a champion spirit. David danced and the presence of God returned. The, the, Jer- uh, the the children of Israel shouted and the walls of Jericho came down. Are you facing any walls that need to come down that seem impossible? I believe your shout affects the very foundation of those walls. And that's where we want to go today, that we're hearing the Lord and walking out His will, His plan, and His purpose. Jesus did not die so we could merely go to church. We are very serious about our mandate from God, our, our the great commission that we will go and make disciples. And I, I just want you to know, all of us are rethinking and reconfiguring and redeveloping our understanding so that we can see that with greater clarity. This has been so huge in me now for over two years. Uh, the latest book that I've written is Religious Confusion that addresses this issue. Feel free to get those in the lobby. All of that money goes to help people in need or to our orphanages. It's not a self-gain thing. It's something that will be very helpful to reconfigure our understanding of what God desires for the church to be. Come on, the church should not be a product handled by man to try and expand our empire, but the church should be the living entity, the body of Christ that lives in the earth and declares Jesus is alive. Our transformed life is proof that Jesus' kingdom is here in the earth. How many of you have been transformed before? Come on. We just thank God for the transforming power. He's breaking every chain in our lives. That is why 
we worship. That is why we celebrate. That's why we breathe. I'm going to focus in on this with you today. But we as a society have so treated Jesus as if he is a vitamin that supplements our lives. Let me just say Jesus is not like a vitamin. Jesus is like oxygen, and he sustains true life. Without him, we don't even begin to know what true life is all about. You think you're living, but you're really not living unless Jesus is at the center and you've been awakened to the purposes of God. That's the plan for us as the army of the living God to understand and recognize God is alive. So this year, we felt the Holy Spirit was just speaking a very simple phrase and a declaration for 2017, our New Year's revelation, is love is our source. Love is our source. It's one of those phrases that you hear and you think, that's great, and then your kids start saying it to you when you have a bad attitude and you have to really let love be your source. I'm just speaking from experience. And so, you know, love is our source. So like other people, when they give you kindness, it's easy for you to give them kindness. But when they are unkind to you, you have to give them what God gave you instead. And you, you listen, we live in a society that's all about my rights, all about, you know, you're not going to cross me and you're going to, you know, we want to be served. We expect to be served. But somewhere the Bible says, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. Even those that are unkind to us, we need to discover deep within us deposits from God that we might respond by the Spirit of God rather than reacting like any other chump that's living in this world. Come on, God wants to establish something deep within our lives and cause us to become everything He's called us to be. So how available are you to that? How available are you for God to bring His desires through your life? And that's where we're going to really land today. Are you where you should be in your faith? Are you where you need to be in your faith, in your life, in your relationship network, whatever that looks like? Are you where you should be in life? So we're taking, uh, like every year we do this, the first 40 days of the year. You know, 10% of the year would be 36 and a half days. So the first 40 days is kind of like a tithe of the year, if you will. And we want to take that first fruits of the year, and we want to devote ourselves to the purposes of God unlike we've ever devoted ourselves before. I really am dramatically, deeply convicted, so appreciative and so thankful that God has entrusted to our care, so many families that we can truly make disciples. I'm deeply convicted that we not go through motions of having church. You're not going to find that here we want to have this big attractional focus to attract people who will love what we provide. That is not what God has called the church to do. It's what we bought into in our society, but we reject that here. We're not trying to provide a product of church to attract consumers to come attend. We're trying to make disciples, and it's going to cost you something to step into what God's called you to step into, and we want, to know, we want you to know that right up front. We do have a rule here, nobody claps alone. So when somebody starts that, we all just join in. It's the man rule. And so these first 40 days, I want to thank all of our community group leaders for uh, meeting weekly during this time. Not all groups meet every week, but every week for 40 days, we're going to walk through our five core values. These are basically the five things that we feel like God has told us as a church family that we're to bring emphasis to. So let's make that declaration together as we say our, our core value statement. Um, 
We are outrageously loving people who passionately pursue the Lord with irrationally giving lifestyles as we consistently submit to God's desires, very important, and effectively disciple others to do the same. So last week, Pastor Chris did a smash-up job on outrageously loving. I had so many people uh, telling me what a great message he brought. I'm so thankful for a teaching team where we can come together, and the focus here is not one teacher, but the focus here is one Savior. And, uh, and today, I have the privilege of talking and speaking into what it is to passionately pursue Jesus, and I want to do that. And I'll just, I'll just straight up with you, right up front. I mean, we're just kind of... Our approach, all of us as a family, is we just want to be as authentic as we possibly can. Um, we readily admit most of what we do is just a bunch of nonsense, but God really loves us. <laughs> and like my kids used to give me these silly little drawings, and no, you know, everybody would look at the drawing, not even know which way to hand it. Anybody have those? Like I still have boxes of those. I kept them. And sometimes I pull them out. And like they're nonsense, but they're so meaningful to me because they came from the heart, right? That's kind of the way church is. And so we're just trying to find our way. Everybody's on a journey. We're all on a journey just trying to find our way. And we want to help each other along in that journey. And, and I believe that, you know, just right up front, I want you to understand something about passion. How much passion do you have for the Lord? And are you where you need to be in terms of your passion to pursue God? And here's the biggie. Uh, in the overall scheme of this and looking at it, what you need to understand, I'm going to point at your giving one more time and just say to you, the Bible actually says, Jesus declared where your treasure is, your heart will go. How I many of you ever bought something new or invested in the stock market or, you know, whatever you invest your treasure in, all of a sudden you have a heart for that. Like you get the app on your phone, you're checking stocks and you're looking because your treasures there suddenly have great, like enthusiastic interest there. And Jesus clearly says, wherever you put your treasure, that's where your heart is going to go. So if you want to have passion for God and passion for the work of God in the earth, find the place that you call family and devote yourself there, allowing your giving to be an expression of worship. Because when you put your treasure into what God has called you to put your treasure into, your heart will follow after that. Who wants a heart for God? It is a trick question, by the way. You want a heart for God? then you've got to devote your treasure to understanding what it is to live an incredibly generous lifestyle where you're honoring the Lord in every single way and recognizing from all time God has made our giving a part of our worship. He did it on purpose so that we would truly develop a heart for God. So today is all about passionately pursuing the purposes and the plans of God. However far you've gone with God, there's more. How I many you know God is amazing? However far you've gone in your faith and your relationship with the Lord as a Christian, your salvation, there's more. Salvation and discipleship. Salvation and discipleship, okay? That's kind of like wedding and marriage. And what we've done is we've been really good at getting people to pray a prayer and introduce them to the idea of salvation, but we've been really sorry at taking them beyond salvation into true discipleship where we learn to, to, to really devote ourselves, sacrifice ourselves, learn what it is to be a living sacrifice that the purposes of God would prevail. We kind of go about our lives chasing after success and 
trying to accomplish all of our objectives, neglecting and ignoring the Holy Spirit that's right there with us saying, I care about this person. Can you pause from your busy schedule and share my love with this individual? Like learning to be spirit-led as an army of the Lord in our everyday lives, putting our own desires and our own rights down on behalf of the needs of others. It's such an important component of our learning what Jesus desires as we passionately pursue Him. No matter how far you've gone, There's more. God desires for you to be hungry. How many of you know He wants you to be hungry for more? God desires for you to be expecting. You have not because you ask not. It's a great verse. It's a challenging verse. How many of you know there are some things God wants you to possess that you will never have if you do not learn how to possess them God's way? You have to hunger, desire, and ask. Just because it's God's will doesn't mean it happens. I mean, you know, that's true. This weekend, such a, a monumental weekend focusing in on Martin Luther King Jr. and, and his life and what he stood for and stands for uh, still today, that legacy carrying on. And I so value this statement that he made. Human progress is neither automatic nor inevitable. There must be sacrifice, suffering, struggle, passion, and dedication. And I want you to know, uh, this, this man speaks to us today from the grave as an expert exactly on what he was declaring. It's not automatic. It's not inevitable. Just because God desires something to be doesn't mean it's just going to happen. Somebody's got to be willing to pay the price. How many believe God wanted us to be in this room and able to do the things we're doing in our community on a whole other level today beyond where we were 10 years ago? That didn't just happen automatically because God wanted it to happen. It happened because God wanted it to happen. We were awakened to his desires. We shed blood, sweat, and tears to move where we are. We stand on the shoulders of people we'll never know who gave blood, sweat, and tears that got us where we were, helped us go to where we are, but what got us here won't take us there, and I'm willing to do whatever it takes. How about you? Come on, Jesus is alive, and he wants us to be awakened to his purposes. Hope you didn't just come for a nice little motivational speech because I want impartation from heaven. I want something of the Spirit to be sewn into the fabric of our lives that will cause us to have iron in our soul and our convictions. It's the desire of God being awakened within every one of us. Important statement, challenging statement. It's your first blank. If you'll please write it in. You were not born for your pleasure. Contrary to what your society and culture has told you, maybe your mom and daddy told you, but you were not born for your pleasure, you were born for God's purposes. There is something God wanted done that makes you necessary. Do you understand? There's something God had in mind when He formed you in the womb. There's an assignment for your life. And if you spend your life chasing pleasure, you will find yourself ultimately unfulfilled because the pursuit of pleasure will never fulfill your life. Have you figured this out? The pursuit of pleasure, you'll exhaust yourself and exhaust the means of pleasure. Just read the book of Ecclesiastes and find somebody who had way more success, fame, money than any of us will ever, 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 ever even be able to imagine. And he simply exhausted everything the world had to offer, yet Solomon still found himself absolutely empty inside. 
because you were not born to seek out your pleasure. You were born to discover the purposes of God. You were not born for your pleasure. You were born for God's purposes. And you've got to be hungry for the purposes of God. You can't just like, it's not automatic. It's not just going to happen. You've got to stir yourself up to take hold of the things of God. You have, to, you have to purpose this. Now, I thought it was interesting, you know, when Tracy and I uh, went through the whole parenting thing, and then here was Faith on her way, and we're about to have our first baby. And so, you know, the joys of the dad being drugged along to the breastfeeding class. What an exciting day that was. I'm just like, are you serious? You're going to give me that thing to, I mean, you know, if you've been to it, you know what I'm talking about. And so, uh, you know, I mean, everybody participates. And so they're, they're having this conversation, and they're talking, and, and as they're explaining all this to us, they, they say something really interesting. They say, now, the baby's hunger will determine the production of milk. And I thought, well, that's interesting. So, like, the production of milk is not contingent on the ability for the mom's Uh, of the ability of the mom's ability to produce. In in other words, the mom can produce as much or as little depending on the appetite of the child. The appetite of the child determines the quantity of milk that will be produced. Do you understand what I'm saying? Let me just say to you, God is able to give you everything you need to nourish your life on any level. How hungry are you? Right now, how hungry are you? Why don't you call it in? How hungry are you? Do you have an appetite for the things of God? Are you willing to stir that up? Don't just show up and let people sing songs around you. Press in. You've got something to contribute to the worship atmosphere of this house. I know we all have our days, and sometimes we come in here and we don't feel it. But I've learned this, there are two times to worship God, when you feel it and when you don't. There are two times to pray, when you feel it and when you don't. There are two times to love your spouse, when you feel it and when you don't. Why don't you just grow up and be mature and declare, when I feel it, I'm going for it, and when I don't, I'm going for it, because I'm just a go-for-it kind of a person. I'm hungry for more. I want more. I am not satisfied. And Jesus cautions us. Luke chapter 1, verse 53. Such a, I mean, this is like crazy. I, I don't hear people preach on verses like this. I like to find verses nobody preaches on, try and get a, a clue. He said, he has filled the hungry with good things, but he sent the rich away empty. Praise God. What does that even mean? Let me just explain something to you. Satisfied people Leave God's presence unfulfilled. It doesn't have anything to do with how much money you make or don't make or have or don't have. This is speaking of your spiritual appetite and satisfied people. If you come in and you're satisfied, then for you, worship is just kind of, get this done, we can get our motivation, and get out. I mean, what do I really need all this for anyway? Because you're satisfied. I don't know about you, man. I show up. I come here in the mornings, not because I have to, but I come in early while the worship team is practicing. And like, they're not in here practicing the technical. They're in here really discerning the spirit. Many times I come up here and I'm just praying into the morning with the worship team here. We're just asking God, pour out your spirit. I mean, we're very serious about understanding more of what God desires as a conclusion of our gathering together. We want more. We want more. I believe God wants to awaken that desire within us because he fills the hungry with good things. But if you're satisfied, 
You'll leave his presence unfulfilled. Do you remember that rich young ruler in the Bible that had the conversation with Jesus? And like they, they began to chat, and, and, and Jesus said, you know, give your stuff, and, and you'll possess the kingdom of heaven. That doesn't mean get into heaven. It's a whole other dynamic of what Jesus was expressing. But it was really uh, amazing revelation. And the man just couldn't swallow the idea of not having all of his stuff. And so the Bible says that the rich young ruler, his, his countenance dropped and he went away sad. And then Jesus goes on to explain the rest of the picture. And he says, nobody who's left houses or anything of this world will not receive a hundredfold, both in this world and in the world to come. Like Jesus isn't afraid of prospering our lives. Jesus is concerned that it will consume us and control us. And he does not want stuff to control our lives. When we are full of other things, we have no appetite for the things of God. What does a wholehearted pursuit of Christ look like? What does it look like to have a wholehearted pursuit of Jesus? What does it look like when the Bible says we're aliens in this world? I just was in Roswell this last week, all about the aliens there. I mean, like Walmart had a thing on the, on the side of the building, like, you know, the whole alien thing is big in Roswell, and it says alien parking here. The hotels have aliens and spaceships out in the front. It's really crazy. But when you stop and think about, I mean, how many of you believe in aliens? No, let's not even go there. So when you stop and think about uh, aliens and what that's saying, it's people that are not of this world. Like, we are not of this world. The things that control everybody else in this world, we understand why it would control them, why their passion is so locked into those things. But come on, you and I, our passion actually goes above that, beyond that, to a whole different realm and understanding. This, this life that we're living right now is like a mist that appears and then vanishes. Have you ever read that verse of Scripture? Like, we think it's this big, long life with all this big long stuff going on. It's a mist that appears and then vanishes. And it's, it, this life is like the womb to eternity. And there are things that needed to be developed in your life for the nine months you were in the womb. And if you didn't develop those things correctly, then you would be born into life with dysfunction or issues or dis, you know, is, things that you had to, to work through that you were not fully developed. And in the same way, ladies and gentlemen, we are in the womb of eternity. There are struggles in your life that are actually developing you for the true life we're going to experience beyond this life in eternity. Let's don't enter into eternity and be underdeveloped. Let's enter into eternity having learned what God's wanting us to learn, develop in our faith what God's wanting us to develop. I don't even get it. I don't even understand it. I don't claim to, but there are rewards and gifts and crowns that will be given in heaven. And if we live this life as if this life is why we live, then we won't even understand that when we get there. There's more. Are you hungry? Are you hungry? We have to awaken the church to contend for a New Testament theology, something that the church in our generation has largely lost. We're really great at these motivational five easy ways to have an awesome life and just be amazing. New Testament theology doesn't make room for you to be on the throne at the center of your universe. New Testament theology says Jesus is why we live. He's everything 
about why we exist. We need to awaken the church to have New Testament theology. We need to awaken the church to have a New Testament lifestyle where we're abandoned to the purposes of God. And we need to awaken the church to understand New Testament power. We are not just religious people walking through the earth. We aren't even human beings having a religious experience right now. We're spiritual beings having a human experience, and we need to be awakened to the eternal nature of our own lives that we might fulfill the purposes of God on that level. I mean, I'm giving you big chunks of challenge today. Holy Spirit, I I just ask that Something of that which is spoken would be downloaded in us, deposited in us, imparted by your heart. Lord, help us not to just do our gathering. Lord, we want to connect with the nature of God. In Jesus' name, amen. So are you spiritually healthy? I want to ask you to put a number to it. Scale of 1 to 10. Think about it. Scale of 1 to 10. Are you spiritually healthy? 10 means you have a hard time sinking down into the water in the bathtub. You're so holy, you float. One, you get the picture. So where are you between one and ten, spiritually speaking? Because, like, this is where, this is, you know, we can only do so much like this. This is where you've got to get into a community group and not just be shoulder to shoulder listening to somebody broadcast ideas, but get face to face and you start to have interaction. So I want to welcome you to the Destiny Morning community group moment for the, the, uh, the congregation. I want to ask you to respond. I want you to give me your number, scale of one to ten. Now I'm going to require something of you. See, it's easy just to hear me preach and nothing required. You decide if you want it, if you don't want it, if you like it. Now I'm asking something of you. This is what we do in our group, to to go to another level of really understanding what God's desiring to accomplish. So what's your number? Hold up your fingers and show me your number, scale of 1 to 10, where you believe you are spiritually. Go ahead. Let's see it. Got some numbers. Numbers, good. I'm looking at the elders, evaluating if we need to have a special meeting. All right. Great. Thank you very much. Now, what we've done is we, we now are working from a framework of assessment and not just ideas. Now we understand what we need. You'll never understand what you're not until you embrace what you need. And if you don't understand what you're not, then we're probably just having this chat, this conversation where I'm talking, you're listening, you're deciding if you like it or not. Let's move way beyond that. And let's understand there's a conversation that God is having in the room with you. Each of you individually, myself included, all of us, God wants to arrest our attention. God is not just after our attention. God desires our affection. Choke that down a little bit and understand what I'm saying. He's not just trying to get your attention. He's trying to possess your affection. This is not about what you believe. This is about what you love. Love God. Love others. If he, if he can captivate your affection, he will transform your world. It'll be amazing what he'll do in your life. Because Christians believe what they believe, but we love what we love even more than we believe what we believe. It's the essence of religious confusion. We're so focused on what everybody believes, and we've not captivated what everybody desires to love, and there's a disconnect that's happened. So are you spiritually healthy? Here's the thing. It is entirely possible to possess a diminished faith. It is entirely possible How many of you know the Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God? It is entirely possible for you to have a diminished faith and not even realize that it has been diminished. 
This is the way it works. Frustration and disappointments lessen the fire of God in our lives. Frustrations and disappointments lessen our pursuit, lessen our fire, challenge our beliefs. We rethink it from a standpoint of evaluating our mountain rather than our God. I mean, you know, your mountain will hold your faith hostage if you magnify your mountain. But the Bible says, oh, magnify the Lord. I will make my God bigger in my own mind as I magnify Him. He is bigger than the mountain. The mountain is not bigger than God. The mountain might be bigger than me, but it's not bigger than God. The greatest tragedy of being distracted from God and possessing a diminished faith, the greatest tragedy is the difference you never make, the life you never live and the difference you never make in other people's lives. When you get distracted and self-absorbed, you no longer are really interested or aware of the presence and the purposes of God. Now, catch this because this is an important element. Last verse I'll give you today. Exodus chapter 6, verse 8. I will bring you to the land I swore. How many of you know God gave the Israelites the land? He gave them the land. He said, there's the land. He said, I will give it to you. Say it with me. As a possession. I am the Lord. Here's the land. Go take it. This is what I'm giving you. Go get it. And we know God provides for the sparrow, but he doesn't drop it in the nest. What has God provided for you in your faith, in your pursuit? He provided it as a, say it, possession. You've got to possess this. You have to purpose to possess. Like if you don't have passion, I mean, pursuit is proof of passion, Right? Pursuit is proof of passion. If you don't have passion, you have no pursuit. If you have no pursuit, then clearly you're lacking passion. And so somewhere we got to start to reconcile this. Are you fasting and praying? Is that part of your life? Because like Jesus said in Scripture, when you fast. He didn't say if. When you fast. So we, as an eldership and a leadership team, and we invite our congregation to be a part, Thursday is the day of fasting. Just pick a meal, fast the whole day. Whatever you, know, whatever you want to do, just between you and the Lord. But that's our focal point of a day because we believe that there's something of stirring up a greater appetite than the appetite that the world has to offer. We have to have some sense of pursuit of the spiritual, the greater things of God. There was this um, a man who refused to get a job. And his uh, wife came into the room and he's laying on the couch. And she said, I'm so ashamed I'm ashamed of the way we live. He rolled over on the couch and looked at her, and he said these words, You ought to be ashamed. She said, Me? My dad pays our rent. My mom buys our food. My sister bought our clothes. My aunt bought our car. I'm ashamed. You won't even get a job. I'm ashamed to talk to my family. And he said, you ought to be ashamed. Your brothers have never given us a cent. Losers. Let me just say, priorities are not priorities unless you pursue them more than other things. I had a conversation with a pastor. And that pastor began to have a, 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 he began to explain to me something, and he said, well, this is really a priority, but I just don't have time. <laughs> and I found it so humorous, and I said, hey, let me just say, 
If you don't have time for something, stop calling it a priority. Call it something else. Like if you've got, I mean, I literally tell if you don't have time for it, it's not a priority. If you don't have energy and devotion toward it, it's not a priority. It's a priority when you put energy and devotion and resource toward it. That's when it becomes priority. On our trip home from New Mexico, it was interesting. I was asking the team in the car, I said, so give me an illustration that I can share Sunday about, you know, priorities. And, and Faith popped up and she said, um, what would our faith look like if we spent as much time with our Bibles as we do our cell phone? And I just thought, ugh, <laughs> that one kind of hurt because like I'm always, like we had family movie night last night and we're like, okay, everybody turn your phones off. And, but dad, I need to leave it on just to check the weather because tomorrow, the, you know, I mean, I was justifying something, you know. I mean, how many of you have this secret love affair with this thing? How many of you, just be honest, admit it, sinners, liars in the room, not raising their hand. So what would your faith look like if you had a relationship with your Bible that resembled your relationship with your phone? Like it's your constant source of communication, constantly going back to perspective. What's, you know, what, what does somebody say about me? What does God say about me? How do we bring that and reconcile that even in our own mind? Here's the thing. I want to make an announcement. It is never too late to be what you might have been. You know, as I was praying early this morning, I felt the Holy Spirit say, that statement is going to pierce into the heart and through some layers, some callous layers of disappointment, discouragement. I, I'm, a, I'm an encourager by default. That's my, my motivational gift is exhortation. I love to see people happy, smiling, and if they're not, they get my attention, and I'm constantly trying to, hey, let's all, you know, be everything good. And, and, and this morning, I want to I take my exhortational gift, and I want to encourage you, and I want to say to you, waiting on God is never lost ground. Maybe the timing of things that you've wanted God to do didn't work out. Maybe it didn't work out because of the stuff that you did. You made some bad decisions. Maybe somebody else made bad decisions that totally influenced your life. I just want to say it again because I felt the Lord was highlighting it to me. It is never too late to be what you might have been. So last blank, stir up your passion to pursue God and His plans for your life. So that's it. No real fireworks conclusion, but, but let's just be clear. I, I want to ask you, I want to call on you. I want to pastor you a little bit, and I want to pester you a little bit. They're very synonymous terms in a lot of ways, but I want to just challenge you that we would all reevaluate our personal priorities, particularly in these 40 days. Are you where you need to be in your relationship with Jesus? First and foremost, that's got to be like, have you made a decision to follow Christ and are you following through on that, following Christ? The second question I want to ask you today is, are you where you need to be in your relationship with God's family? Because it's a pretty important thing that Jesus established the church. I mean, I, I've wanted to give up on the church. You probably have as well. It's just people in the church tend not to talk about it. I've wanted to give up. I've been so frustrated with the church. 
as a Christian before I was ever a pastor. I found myself being disgruntled, frustrated with the church. And then I was asked to lead the church. I was like, how does that work? Because I'm you know, not sure I understand how this is all supposed to function. Here's how it's supposed to function. God loves you. We learned it last week. God loves you with a perfect love. God's family loves you with an imperfect love. Welcome to the imperfect family of God where we're not perfect, but we're learning to love more and more so that we can be more like God. So are you in right relationship with Jesus? Are you in right relationship with the church? And then we're going to talk in these next few weeks, have you been baptized in water? And have you been baptized in water in a way that you were able to engage your faith? Some people go through a religious ceremony and they don't even understand. It is death, burial, resurrection of Christ, but they don't understand that the Israelites came through water when they came out of Egypt and everything that had bound them, listen, listen, Everything that had bound them and generations before them literally perished in the water when they passed through. What that is saying is that when you and I come out of the world system and we give our lives to Christ and we combine our faith, strongholds stay in the water when we walk through baptismal water, when we engage our faith. We believe water baptism is more than a ceremony. It's in no way a requirement for salvation, but it is absolutely something that releases you, not only destroying that which has held you captive, but listen, Jesus was baptized in water and then released to a greater dimension of ministry after he walked through the water. Maybe there's something to be released in your life in this next dimension for you to walk this out. So Lord, I just pray you would have the conversation with each of us individually that you're desiring to this morning. That's our heart, our desire. That's the reason we gather. Your word tells us not to forsake the assembling, so we come together as a family, recognizing we all have our issues. We're all on a journey just trying to find our way. We don't all agree on everything, but we do agree on this. Jesus is Lord, and you've called us to function as a family. So we thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name, if you're here today and you say, I'm not sure I'm following Jesus and I want to seal that, raise your hand. I just want to pray for you. Most important decision you can make, I am going to follow Christ. Thank you, sir. You can put your hand down. Anybody else? I'm not sure I'm following Jesus. I want to make sure of that before I walk out of this room. you're here and you say, I'm not connected with God's family, the church, the way I know I should be, then I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Just have wisdom to walk that out. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Anybody else? Just quickly. Yes, sir. Thank you. Come on, let's stand together, would you? we love you and we thank you you're doing a great work in the earth and you invite us to be a part of it you didn't just come and develop a plan so that we could pray a prayer but you came to establish a mighty army of the living God that would cause all humanity to flourish as a result of our embracing what you desire to accomplish not only in our hearts and lives but in the lives of those around us thank you Lord Thank you, Lord. Come on. I want to invite you. Pray this prayer. Let's all pray this on behalf of those saying, I want to make sure I'm following Christ today. Everybody pray this with me. Say it out loud. Lord Jesus, you came. You lived. You died. But you are alive. And I accept you're the Savior of the world. You're my Savior who came 
to rescue me from my sin that resulted from fallen humanity. Thank you. Teach me your ways. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Come on, let's celebrate and declare right now. Let's declare it. Come on, let's just, let's bring our song alive, will you?